welcome to the new episode 40 of Screaming Through the Ages, a horror movie history podcast. I'm your host, Trey Whetstone, and this is a little bit of an unscripted and unintentional episode, really. I planned on starting my Alfred Hitchcock stuff. Something came up behind the scenes that kind of made it impossible to get that first episode out. So what I ended up doing was spending a couple hours prepping this and putting this together and doing this special episode that I hope everyone enjoys. It's definitely something a bit different from me. But what I did was I went over and looked at my letterbox and basically pulled in all of the horror movies that I gave a five-star or a four-and-a-half-star, which ended up being, I think, 16 five-stars and about 138 four-and-a-half-stars, so there's a lot more of those. But, you know, still a hundred and around 150 of these horror movies out of, you know, I've probably seen 1,500 to 2,000 horror movies. That's not a bad ratio, I suppose. But what I did was compile a top 100 of my favorite horror movies. Now, this was a pretty daunting task. That is why I chose not to spend a ton of time on it and try to, which, again, I ended up spending a couple hours on it just trying to get everything aligned and together. But I thought this would be fun since I can't get the regular episode out. And, yeah, it's going to be... It's going to be controversial for sure. I tried to... There's two different things here. Is I definitely docked some newer movies because, as as unbiased as I tried to be, because a lot of them I'd only seen one time. So there are definitely some in there, but I tried my best to not just say, hey, this movie is a classic from the 80s. It deserves to be on here over these movies from 2022. Which brings me to, maybe there's a little recency bias for 2022, but I did have several 2022 films on this list. And that was the hardest part, is trying to figure out where things slot in. I think my top 50 is almost indisputable in my mind, as far as these feel like my top 50 films. I think this is a good grouping of films. 50 to 100 just became kind of a crapshoot, and where does this slot in here? And hey, I want to add this thing to the end of the list, so I'm going to take off a couple of these more known commodities. It's a pretty daunting task, like I said, but I encourage the listeners to, you know, get into this to try to put together a top 100 or a top 50 or something, and um, I'd love to see those, so I'd love to see you post those or send those out in a letterbox list or whatever, just... uh putting your own top 100 horror movies of all time. I know it's very hard, and sometimes you've got to, you know, cut some of your babies off the list, but that's how it's going to be. So uh, I wanted to put that up front because, yes, there are going to be some more recent films on here. I think it's disingenuous to not include some of these newer films because, look, we are in a pretty good age for horror. I would say horror is kind of at its peak, so we have to, it peaks in terms of like what gets released, not necessarily the top quality, but there's so much stuff out there and so much good stuff out there, I think we have to look at some of the more recent releases from the past few years and say, yeah, these these do belong at a decent spot on the list. 
that's my little preamble. Without further ado, I'm going to get into this thing, and please don't kill me, but yeah, I'd love to see everyone's list, what you think. I mean, this is all subjective. I, You can tell me what shouldn't be on my list and what should be on my list, but I think there's going to be a few classics at least that are not making this list, and that's okay. These are my personal favorite, and again, I had a list of like 150 that I had to cut down 50 of these movies. So sometimes you had to make tough cuts, and even if a movie was better, but I liked a different one more or I wanted to get it more attention, it ended up on the list. That's just how it's going to go. Um, a lot of these, as we've gone through, I noticed I have only seen once, and it's been a while for a lot of these, so I just had to go off of my memory of those. That's maybe why some of these are lower. I've also had a string in the last few years of re-watching some of these, some of my films that used to be my favorite, and I came back down and I said, yeah, those are still good, but they're not as high as I thought they were, and they're not as good as I once thought they were, they're not up on that pedestal that I put them on. So you'll definitely see that shake out within the rankings, I think, but without further ado, let's go ahead and get into this top 100 of or my top 100 favorite horror movies of all time okay starting at number 100 and this was the section where i just wasn't really sure there were so many movies that could have ended up probably in these bottom 10 slots that it was just kind of impossible to choose from and I, like i said i didn't want to spend a whole lot of time on this or more time on this because the more time you spend on something like this, the more you start to second-guess yourself and start thinking about things. So I'm just going to throw out what I have here. So at number 100, I have The Demon from 1963. Now this is a possession-type story. Um, I covered this one on one of my witch episodes from earlier this year, and I just discovered it through the Severin uh, folk horror set. And it really is an excellent film. I think upon repeat viewings, this one could climb even higher. But I I would just say, if you haven't seen this one, you absolutely need to go check it out. The Demon is an incredible film. If I rewatch it down the line, I could see it going even higher. But that is my number 100. Number 99, I have Jean Relin's The Living Dead Girl. And... This is my favorite Jean Roland film by a decent margin, I would say. It was the only one in consideration for this list. This was one where I wasn't sure whether it included or not, but I think it fits my sensibilities enough to put it on the list, and it's definitely not going to be for everyone, but if you do like Jean Roland, if you do like that 70s art house, you know, European stuff, then absolutely get into that one. Number 98, I have Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. This is another where I just haven't seen it in a long time. I remember absolutely loving it. So I still had to give it a spot on my list, even if I hadn't seen it in a while. And that takes my number 98. Number 97, you can debate whether this one's a horror movie or not, but I have Tim Burton's Sweeney Todd, The Demon Barber of Fleet Street. You can call this one a musical or a drama or whatever, but I think there's enough there that puts this in the realm of horror, and I remember it's been a while for this one too, 
But I remember absolutely just loving this film and thinking what a quality-made film it was. And, of course, you have a great cast here with Johnny Depp and Helena Bonham Carter and Alan Rickman. It's just a wonderful movie, and I think it's something definitely different. I think that's part of the reason why I wanted to include it. Okay, number 96, I have... And this one pains me to put this this low, but... I think as much as I like it, I just couldn't put it higher, and that is Prince of Darkness by John Carpenter. This movie has really grown on me the last couple times I've watched it, and I think it just keeps going higher and higher, uh, but I I just thought this was an appropriate spot for it, and hey, at least it ended up on the list. The Fog actually got cut. It was one of the last cuts that I made to get The Fog off of the list, but Uh, Prince of Darkness is going to stick here. I think it's absolutely insane, and the creativeness in that film is undeniable. I don't know if it works all the time for me, but it's just an exceptional premise, and I love how the film treats it and goes about not taking itself too seriously. So it did make it on my list. I know a lot of people want that one higher, but that's where it sits for me. At number 95, I have Roman Polanski's Repulsion, and Repulsion is one that I think a lot of people have seen and a lot of people appreciate, but I don't think it gets very much circulation in the horror community. It's a pretty good, kind of very psychological film that follows this you know, young woman as she's kind of having a mental break and seeing how that might look from her point of view. And I really do love that one. I think it's very interesting, but I haven't seen it in a while, so it's relegated to a lower spot on the list, at least for now. And I will say, this is all subject to change, and I know Nathan and I are going through the 1990s right now, so as as we go through that, and if we go through other decades... And this wasn't even necessarily beholden to how I've ranked these in the past. I just kind of took a blank slate. Here are these movies. Let's put them together. This can absolutely change, especially if I have more time to think about it. But let's keep this moving because if not, I'll be here all day. Um, At 94, I have Alex de la Iglesia's Witching and Bitching. This one I wasn't sure either. I think it's just crazy enough to make my list. This director is certainly not for everyone, but I do like a majority of his work, and Witching and Bitching, I think, is one of his crazier films, and that's that's saying something, but that comes in at number 94. Number 93, this is one of those where I rewatched it recently, and I kind of came down on it a little bit. Yeah, I hate to do this too much, and I hate to knock films too much upon rewatches, because it's just hard if you, you know, if you're in a different mood, if you've changed it in the film, you can't really tell with just a rewatch. But unfortunately, at number 93, I have uh, Bava's Black Sunday, and that has fallen quite a bit for me. I'll have to rewatch it again in a few years. That's the other problem is I think some of these movies, I've just rewatched them too much and upon repeat viewings, they kind of lose a little bit of their luster. So I think that's absolutely the, what happened here. And I think that's what happened with one in a couple of picks as well. 
But Black Sunday is still a great film. Bava is still a great director. Hopefully I wait a few years, go back to that one, and it comes back up. Number 92, I have the Dan Trachtenberg thriller 10 Cloverfield Lane. I think, and it's been a while since I've seen that too, but I think, you know, John Goodman's performance, the entire cast performance, is a very small cast, I think they all do an incredible job. The main knock, the main knock I have on it is just the ending and how it ends and seemingly comes out of nowhere, but 10 Cloverfield Lane is an excellent thriller from a few years ago. Well, uh, it's been a while now, but yeah, I really do enjoy that film. Number 91, this is the one I was referring to, and that is Alien. But my last rewatch, Alien did come down a bit for me. It's going to settle here in the 91 spot until maybe I watch it again and it goes back up. But I think it's a case of I've just seen this one too many times. I've been rewatching these movies too many times when I should really be focusing on rewatching other films that I haven't seen in a while. Okay, moving on to number 90. I have The Blood on Satan's Claw. And this is one that has just steadily rose each time I've watched it over the years. I just rewatched it recently for my witch episodes earlier in this year. And I absolutely love it. I don't think it gets talked about enough, just like Repulsion. So definitely check out The Blood on Satan's Claw if you haven't already. But I've for sure been pumping that one up for a while. Number 89 comes one where I just couldn't leave off the list. I know it wasn't as high on my 2022 list, and maybe this is where the recency bias starts to come in, but I have the menu, and thinking back, I was thinking I almost undersold the menu. I think it's an incredible film with great satire and great humor throughout it, as well as having those horror moments. So I decided to not only keep it on the list, but put it at number 89. Number 88, and I do have a string of recent films here, but I have The Medium from 2021, and I absolutely loved The Medium when it came out. Again, I haven't watched it since it came out, but definitely one of my favorites of 2021, and I think it belongs on this list just for the absolute insanity of it. That was one where I just fell in love from the beginning, and really enjoyed the entire ride. Now this one's going to be very controversial. I know a lot of people don't like this film, and especially wouldn't consider putting it on a top 100 list. But that is 2019's Pet Cemetery remake. Now I like this one a ton of a lot more than the original. I think the characters and the actors are so much better and so much more likable. I like the switch that happened, and I'll have you know... I don't want to talk about the Switch too much, but my circumstances have definitely changed since I've seen this, so I think it might even affect me more if I watched it recently, because I didn't have kids when I watched this. My first daughter wasn't born yet, and I think maybe my perspective would even change, and I might even be more afraid of this. It might even affect me more, but I loved the actor who played the little girl in that, and I just really liked it in general. I thought it was an excellent adaptation of Pet Cemetery, and again, I don't think it came with the baggage that was with that Mary Lambert film, and that's nothing against it. I still like that movie, 
I just think there's a ton of flaws with it. And this one, I'm sure people can point out a ton of flaws as well. But I was just there for it for the ride and thoroughly enjoyed it. Number 86, I have A Quiet Place Part 2. And this is another 2021 release. And I know, similarly, people had mixed feelings on this. I don't think it's anywhere near as good as the original. But I did really enjoy it. And I don't know. I I loved the globetrotting aspects of it. And if you want to hear me gush about this one more, you can probably go back to my 2021 Horror Year in Review episode. But I think this is maybe a little underrated. I think it, it definitely doesn't get as much buzz as the original. I think it's still a very solid film. Number 85, I've got an old-time classic of mine, and that is Daughters of Darkness from 1971. This is another one of those artsy, European, erotic-tinged films, just like genre lens stuff. And that really does hit a sweet spot for me. While I can recognize the flaws with the film, I still love it and absolutely had to put it on my list. Okay, at number 84, I debated on this one as well, but I think this was a huge hit from last year, and that was Barbarian. I haven't rewatched it. I can definitely see this one going down once the surprise aspect is gone, but I think it was just such a well-made film and it was such an enjoyable film that, you know, it got so much buzz and I hate to say any more about it because I just talked about this one a few months ago on my Best of 2022 episode, but Barbarian earns my 84th spot. Number 83, I have Park Chan-wook's Thirst from 2009. This is definitely a different take on the vampire film. It is a Korean take on the vampire film, and I think it's an absolutely solid film. I've only seen it once, and it has been a little while, so... And that is a theme with a lot of these down near the bottom of my list. Thirst is my number 83. Number 82, I have Night of the Living Dead, the original. This is one I just rewatched recently for my anniversary episode, and while I still love it and still find a lot to like in it, it definitely has moved down a ton. I mean, at one point... This was my favorite of the Dead series and was probably pushing a top 20 spot. And again, maybe it's just down to fatigue and rewatching it. And the thing that made it worse, I think, was rewatching Day of the Dead last year and having that one just skyrocket for me. So maybe that's a little bit of a spoiler coming up the list. But yeah, Night of the Living Dead sits at 82. Number 81, I have the William Castle classic, House on Haunted Hill. And that, of course, is, I think, the only Vincent Price film I have on here. But it has been my favorite Vincent Price film for a long time. I even like the remake as well. I think the remake's solidly done, if not a great movie. But the original House on Haunted Hill sits here for me. I love the goofy William Castle gimmicks, except for... One particular gimmick at the end of the film, but we won't talk about that. And coming in at number 80, I have Slither. And this is from director James Gunn, and is definitely hitting on his trauma roots. And I really like Slither. It's immature, it's funny, it's <laughs> can be scary and unsettling, uh, especially to the stomach at points. 
but this is one that I just saw a, I, you know, I saw it probably pretty close to when it came out, and I just remember the ads for this one, the trailers for this one, and absolutely being like, I need to see this movie. It's got a great cast in it, and I, I just love Slither, um, and it slithers into my number 80 spot. All right, at number 79, we have the French film from 1960, The Eyes Without a Face. I think this one gets overlooked a lot, and it's one of those, definitely a classic of the black and white European horror films. From around that time period, I think it's similar to something like uh, The Demon or Black Sunday. It's definitely in that class of film, and I just think it gets overlooked and not talked about enough. So that is my number, 79. At 78, I will stay in Europe for the 1996 thriller uh, by Alejandro Amenabar, and that is Thesis. I think Thesis is one of the better horror thrillers at the time. I think it's one of the better horror movies of the 90s decade. And honestly, I don't think many people talk about this one either. But this is one of those of the time, you know, when we're having uh, thrillers. And this is set in college. So this is very much in line with what would come in the U.S. in terms of, like, slasher thrillers. Uh, This is not a slasher. This is very much a thriller that has to deal with the whole snuff tape thing, which I absolutely love, by the way. I love that concept and of this, like, you know, forbidden film. And this definitely falls into it. It's a very good thriller, and honestly, if you need any more selling, this is the same director who would go on to do The Others, um, you know, the Nicole Kidman film that happened around the turn of the millennium. So yeah, definitely check out Thesis if you haven't already. Number 77, I have Hereditary. Honestly, I wanted Hereditary to be higher on this list, but I haven't seen it since I watched it in theaters. So I definitely need to go back and revisit that one. I remember loving it. I still remember a lot of the scenes and the play-by-play, but I feel like I'm missing that impact. I need to do a rewatch soon so I can really figure that one out. I wouldn't be surprised if this moves up in the future on my list, but for right now, with only seeing it once, you know, five years ago, I've got to keep it at number 77. Number 76, I have Cabin in the Woods. I was absolutely smitten with this thing when it came out. And honestly, compared to a lot of the horror movies that were contemporary to this one, I think this was head and shoulders above it. But upon rewatch over the years, it's kind of fallen a little bit for me. I think it's still a great concept. I think there's still some really good parts to it. And I think it definitely deserves to be on this list. It's just a lot lower than I would have had it say, several years back. Number 75, I have the Canadian horror movie Pontypool, and I think Pontypool is one of the most creative horror movies, at least I think so. It's definitely at least a creative zombie movie and a twist on that, and I just absolutely love the performances in this movie. I love the way it progresses and the way it ends. It's just a very good movie from start to finish. I think it's a very solid movie. I know this one does get a lot of love, but if you haven't seen Pontypool, absolutely check that out. I 
I need to stop saying <laughs> if you haven't seen it, you need to check it out. But yeah, Pontypool is my number 75. Number 74 is the Scott Derrickson joint of The Exorcism of Emily Rose. I was a huge fan when I checked this one out initially. I remember renting this one and just really liking it. Now, is it 100% horror? No. I think people could definitely argue that it's not. But I just love the feeling of this film, and I love the performances in this film. And it's been one of my favorite over the years. So while it still sits in this lower section of the list, it's still one that I really enjoy. So at number 73, I don't know. This is where I'm starting to get shaky on some of these 2022 films and more these more recent films, but I'm going to go ahead and put The Innocence on here from last year. I really liked this take on a superhero mythos and a superhero origin story, and I feel like it really does belong in something like the Brightburn universe. Now, I think there's two camps on this. I came down on liking this much more than Brightburn, even though I do like Brightburn a lot. It doesn't necessarily have the gore or shock value that Brightburn has, but I think it's an overall better film and a more interesting film too. But I love both of those. I would love to continue seeing these horror-themed kind of original superheroes or villains. At number 72, I have Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 1956. And I think this is just one of those classical horror films. This is before they started to really try to ramp up the the violence and the shock and all that on screen. I think it's plenty shocking, but I think it does so pretty tamely when compared to other movies that would come later in the 60s. I've always enjoyed this one, and I think it actually went up when I rewatched it for the episode I did with uh, Jay of the Dead a little bit around this time last year. And to keep this moving, we're going to another what I consider many people would consider a classic, and that is at 71, I've got uh, Reanimator, directed by Stuart Gordon. I really love how there's so much black humor woven into this one, and I just I just like this one in general. It's just really fun. It doesn't take itself too seriously, but there's still some frightening moments and some shocking moments in it as well. I've had my ups and downs with this one revisiting over the years, but it does settle in to my 71st spot. At number 70, I have Midsommar. And Midsommar was something that, you want to talk about shocking. This one absolutely shocked me when I watched it in the theater. And I left the theater very confused and not sure what I had just watched. But I think it's really stuck with me even more than Hereditary over the years. And I I just think I love the setting. I love the folk horror aspect. It's just a great top-tier modern horror movie for me. At number 69, I have Child's Play. I'm a fan of the Child's Play movies as well as the later uh, Chucky movies in the franchise. Not really a fan of Seed or Bride of Chucky, but I do enjoy these Child's Play films. I mean, this one was directed by Tom Holland and has Chris Sarandon in it, so it gets extra points there. I think there's a lot to like about this one. 
And yeah, it doesn't stand out to me as one of the greatest of all times, but it's one that I've always enjoyed and always enjoyed watching. And I can pretty much watch you know the first three in this franchise over and over again. I do like those ones, even though they're maybe not the best horror movies. I just think they're a lot of fun. At number 68, I have Troll Hunter, which is, I believe, Norwegian. And this was directed by Andrea Overdahl, who has went on to do Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, other things like that. This is found footage, so you know I'm in from the beginning. And the fact that they're able to get a troll on here and go into that kind of mythology is just incredible. I love this movie. It's just so enjoyable to watch. Number 67 is another international horror movie that has jumped up my list in, you know, upon rewatch when I believe I rewatched it last year. And that is Satan's Slaves. Now, this is the remake from 2017 by Joko Anwar. And he really is one of my favorite directors working today. I love a lot of the stuff he's putting out. And this is just a really creepy movie. You know, for a movie that is a remake of a film that was a ripoff of, I believe, Phantasm was the, the thing it was ripping off. But I absolutely love this remake. I think it's so well done. And I continue to be in awe of the Indonesian horror that's coming out. And I'd love to continue seeing more. Um, I wasn't quite as high on the sequel, but you know when part three is coming out, I'm going to be watching these back to back and seeing how I feel about it then when they're a complete trilogy. Number 66, I'm cheating a little bit, and I'm going to go with the uh, Gamera Heise films, and that is uh, Gamera Guardian of the Universe, Gamera 2 Attack of Legion, and Gamera 3 The Revenge of Iris. And I think these three films from the late 90s are, they take kaiju in a definitely darker direction, and in a horror direction specifically. I think these ones get better as they go along. I love these three films. I think they go along well with the Godzilla Heisei era films, even though these are more serious and a little darker. But this is the same guy who directed GMK, or Godzilla Mothra and King Ghidorah, Giant Monsters All Out Attack from 2001, which is one of the best in that series as well. So definitely check these out if you're a kaiju fan and haven't seen them yet, but uh, that is my tie for number 66. At number 65, I have Stakeland, which is directed by Jim Mickle, and I can't overstate enough how much I enjoyed this film. This was one of those that I heard about on HMP that was coming out at that time, and boy, this is so good. Um, I really like the sequel, too. I don't think the sequel quite lives up to this, and I think a lot of that has to do with the absence of the Danielle Harris character. It may not be the most original, but it's definitely a cool take on the vampire film, and I absolutely enjoy it. At number 64, I have Get Out, which many consider a modern masterpiece. I haven't seen Get Out. Again, this is one of those that I haven't really rewatched since I watched it in early 2018, I believe. So I do need to get on rewatching that one, but I do remember excellent performances all around. And of course, Jordan Peele has done a great job. 
I'm just trying to be careful because I think I fatigued myself on Us, which was something at the time that I liked more than Get Out. And spoiler, Us will not end up on this list after a couple of rewatches I did. So I'm trying my best to not oversaturate this one. I think it is due for maybe a rewatch here in the next at least couple of years. Number 63, I've got one from last year, and that is X. Absolutely loved X, and think it is one of Ty West's best films. I am a huge Ty West fan, and X just completely delivered and surprised me. I didn't know what I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting something as good as X was. And I liked Pearl as well from last year, but it just didn't have that... I don't know, it didn't have that je ne sais quoi that X had. And I know X went over well with many a different horror fan and could please a large crowd of horror fans. And yeah, I really do think it is, you know, it belongs on this list. Number 62, I've got Tucker and Dale versus Evil, which is really one of the best horror comedies that's come out in the past few decades. I mean, this one just... It's great. The scenarios, the timing, everything is just great in this one. I love the setup. I love the performances of um, Alan Tudyk and Tyler Labine as the kind of backwoods hillbillies in this one. Really love what this movie does and how it lampoons slasher movies and the sort. So that is my number 62. At number 61, I have Nope. And Nope is the, this will be the last of my 2023 films on here, but like I said, or 2022, sorry. But like I said, I do maybe have some recency bias, but I really do like Nope, and I think it's one of Jordan Peele's most fun movies. I think it's his most fun movie for sure, and I think it was one of the more fun movies that I watched last year. I think the horror's still there, and I would argue that with anyone, but uh, Nope's going to stay on my list for now. I'll be eager to rewatch that one and see how it lands. But for right now, that is sitting ahead of Get Out, and it's at my number 61. Number 60. Now, I need to preface this and tell you, there's been a revisionist history that's kind of popped up around this film, and now everyone loves it, and it's a great film. But people were trashing Scream 4 at the time it came out. Now, I loved Scream 4 when it came out, and I think as I've gotten further away from it, I've seen more flaws in it, even though I still like it. You know, five years ago when I made this list, this would probably be in the top 25. But now I know enough and have seen it enough that I do love it and I do respect everything it did, but I can see the flaws. But, yeah, people are acting like, you know, they loved this thing and they loved this movie. There wasn't a ton of love for this thing when it came out in 2011, I believe. Yes, 2011. But I was there, and I really did like it. I liked the addition of the new characters. I thought 3 had gotten pretty stale. And, yeah, so I just wanted to wanted to throw that out there, that I've been a Scream 4 fan. I've actually gotten... As more people have gotten higher on Scream 4, I've kind of gotten a little lower on Scream 4 as the years have gone on, but it's still enough to land in my top 100 list. 
Number 59, I've got Robert Eggers' The Witch. I think The Witch is just a special film. It's so dark and depressing that it's hard for me to put it any higher on this list, but it is so good, and the performances, the directing, the the cinematography, everything about this, there are so many beautiful shots in this dark and sinister movie, and I just absolutely love The Witch. Maybe it should be a little higher, but I think it just is kind of soul-crushing to an extent, and can't go any higher for the time being. To do a 180, I'm going to put up another Alex de la Iglesia film, and at number 58, I have The Day of the Beast. Alex Angulo and Santiago Segura are absolutely a riot in this film, and I just love the dry and black humor that runs throughout it. And honestly, where can you go wrong with a you know, priest and a heavy metal record salesman hunting down the Antichrist on Christmas Eve. It's an incredible movie and absolutely shows off the abilities of Alex de la Iglesia. And yeah, I'm going to stop talking about Alex de la Iglesia now because I don't think I have any more of his films on this list, but absolutely love The Day of the Beast. With number 57, we're going back to my only Universal Monster film on this list, and that is Dracula. And I think Dracula is the most complete out of any of those movies. I like it the most. Um, I like The Wolfman as well. I would say that's my number two, but that one doesn't quite make my list. I think there's just something special to Dracula that allows it to still hold up to this day. And something interesting about this, my wife who doesn't really watch horror movies. I remember her coming in when I was watching this on TV, and she was like, oh, that's kind of scary. There was just a scene, and she thought something seemed pretty creepy or scary. So I think that's a testament to that kind of film, to still be able to frighten and scare people to this day. Number 56, I've got one that's taken a bit of a free fall, and that is... The Evil Dead from 1981. And, you know, its remake counterpart has taken a free fall as well. I've recently watched these. I still think they're both very solid movies, and I really like them a lot. I just think I've watched The Evil Dead too much at this point, and I think it's starting to affect me. And I hate to go into something like that with the probably the worst rewatch I've had of it in a while. I still think it's an excellent film. I still think it pioneered a lot of stuff, did a lot of cool and interesting things. It's just some of it didn't necessarily work for me this time, and it happens to be coming out at a time when I'm making this list and I just rewatched it. So, The Evil Dead sits at 56. Number 55, I have Dario Argento's Phenomena. This one's just great. It has... It has Jennifer Connelly in it, as well as Donald Pleasance, and I think this is just such an out-there film. You know, it has this uh, this chimp in it that's pretty crazy, and the whole film is pretty crazy in general. It's Argento flirting that line, or walking that line between supernatural and his more realistic, gritty style. They did maybe earlier on. I don't know if you can call much that Argento did realistic, but... They always have that flair, no matter how grounded it is. But uh, word to the wise, if you haven't 
watched this one and you do seek it out, make sure you don't watch the Creepers cut. And you can look that up and see what the differences are. But make sure you're watching the one titled Phenomena. The Creepers one just isn't great. It was the American cut of it. That's all I'll say on that one. But just be wary out there if you're checking this one out for the first time. Number 54, I have another Joko Anwar film, and that is Empedagore. Now, I've seen this one a couple times as well, with as I had with Satan's Slaves. And I think the second watch just cemented what a great folk horror story that this one is. And tells is what I really mean to say here. I think this is an excellent film. It's pretty creepy and upsetting in parts. And yeah, I absolutely think it's going to cement itself among one of the modern or more modern classics. Definitely uh, one of the higher ones of that decade. Number 53 is The Stepfather. It's nothing remarkable, but uh, Terry O'Quinn just gives an absolute amazing performance in that one. And I've just always loved that type of movie. That's definitely my comfort food. And yeah, it's excellent. Number 52, I have the French film Inside, and this is absolutely the only French extreme film you're going to find on this list. You know, I say that, but a couple more almost made the list, so they were right there on the edge. But this is my favorite by a mile. I love this one. It is dark and dire and sinister, just like The Witch, and again, that's why it's not any higher on my list. But um, another, you know, horror movie around Christmas time that you wouldn't necessarily think of. But yeah, I really like Inside. Number 51, we've got Ginger Snaps, which is definitely one of the strongest of the aughts, and I think it just tells this great story, and really what it does well is doing, it does the characters well, and it does the character development well. And it's a werewolf movie that's not necessarily... I mean, that's the problem with people who are werewolf fans is you're not going to get very many good straight-up werewolf films. A lot of times you're going to have to get ones that... And when I say straight-up, I mean, you know, we've got werewolf that you're actually seeing um, in all its traditional werewolf glory, uh, attacking and killing people left and right. You're not going to get that a whole lot. But what you do get here is a thoughtful film about well, really going through puberty and becoming a woman. And it's an excellent film and an excellent twist on the werewolf narrative. All right, we're getting into the top 50 now. And at number 50, I have a Guillermo del Toro film. And that is The Devil's Backbone. I think Pan's Labyrinth is del Toro's magnum opus and is the strongest of his films. But this one's no slouch either. And it tells a similar story that's set within the Spanish Civil War. And I think it's an excellent ghost story with excellent character development. And it's something that only Del Toro could do. At number 49, I've got another what I would consider a modern classic in Sinister. And this one I had jumped on from the beginning. I'm a pretty big Scott Derrickson fan, I would say, overall. And there's something about Sinister that still just creeps me out and unsettles me. And it feels so... It feels like low budget and low rent at points. And I think that's the parts that it excels at. 
thinking back on this one, you know, I had it lower initially, but Sinister is still just stuck with me through the years, and it still creeps me out. I love the character of Bagul. I love the finding the home movies and playing those and watching, you know, these kids do terrible things. Sinister is an absolute recommend for me. Number 48, I've got Black Christmas from 1974. Just a really solid proto-slasher or slasher, whatever you want to call it. Either way, it's a great movie. Bob Clark does such a great job with this one, and um, I've always been a huge fan of Black Christmas, and it's uh, stayed pretty solid throughout the years and enough to earn its spot in my top 50. Number 47, I've got One Cut of the Dead, which I think I had lower initially, especially in the year that it came out. But it's just so much fun, and it's such a great, entertaining movie. And we don't necessarily get that a lot. There's just so much entertainment value here, and what they do is so... You know, it spins things on its head. We don't get a ton of horror from Japan anymore, but hey, I mean, we don't get a ton of films, period, traditional films from uh, Japan anymore, but this is definitely one of the brighter spots. Number 46, I've got my number one from 2021, and that is Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho. I think this just tells an incredibly engaging story. The performances in this are incredible as well, and honestly, it's Giallo style and Ode to Giallos definitely hits a note with me. That one is good enough to be pretty high among the more recent horror movies. At number 45, I have Dario Argento's Inferno. This one's nowhere near as good as some of his top-tier films, but I just think there's still a lot of great moments to it. It's a little disjointed here and there, but there's excellent moments as far as diving into you know, a flooded apartment building to get, or a flooded building to get a key, or wind blowing papers all over the place as a woman stares directly into your soul. I mean, there's some just great moments in this. The um, Keith Emerson song that plays during the end of this is just an absolute banger. And yeah, I've always had a soft spot for Inferno, even though I know it doesn't stand up to some of Argento's other stuff. Number 44, I have the Ty West classic, The House of the Devil. remember the first time I saw this on MTV late at night when I was in college and absolutely fell in love from the beginning. Ty West is one of my favorite modern directors, and I think House of the Devil is just an absolute outstanding horror movie. And it does so much with so little, honestly. Number 43, I have The Conjuring which kicked off an entire universe, but uh, this one I think will always hold a special place in most people's heart within that series. I think it's still the best. The first is still the best in this. Oh, gosh, there's so many in this franchise now. The Conjuring came out, and it was coming out when horror was making a comeback. You know, we were getting some of these heavy hitters in these years before we had the full-on flood later in the 2010s, but The Conjuring, I think, is a very important film, and an important film for me as well. Number 42, I have Val Luton and Jacques Turner's Cat People. Cat People from 1942, by the way, not the remake. 
But cat people, you know, there's a reason why I started my podcast going into Val Luton. I absolutely love the works of Val Luton, and I think that cat people is his magnum opus. Starting with his magnum opus is pretty impressive, but I guess you could say that about Bava as well. Either way, you want to talk about doing a lot with a little, that is absolutely cat people's MO, and I think it still maintains to tell just such an engaging story, but yes, that is one of my absolute favorites, and I will take that over Universal Horror any day of the week, but that's just me. Number 41, I have Tenebrae from Dario Argento. This is Argento's meta take and his introspective look at the giallo genre that really made him famous. I love every minute of it. It's maybe missing in places for sure, but I think he just does so such a good job of satirizing the, again, the genre that he started out in and the genre that really allowed him to rise to fame. He was tired of it at this point. He just wanted to, you know, make his more ambitious movies. But, you know, when you're, Dad, your producer, and he says you got to change something, you got to change something. And I think Tenebrae is a pretty good result of that. At number 40, I've got a pretty brutal film, and that is Green Room from 2015, starring the late Anton Yelkin, as well as uh, Imogen Poots and um, Ali Shalkat. I actually stayed away from Green Room at first. I thought it would be too much for me, but once I watched it, I ended up absolutely loving it and couldn't believe that I tried to stay away from this thing in the first place. So that is my number 40. At number 39, I have The Wicker Man, which honestly could be a lot higher on this. I think it's a folk horror classic. The only thing that holds it back for me is some of the... I think it starts a little slow... But by the end, it's such a gripping mystery and such a gripping journey and really shows you the two extremes of uh, Christianity and paganism. And I, yeah, I absolutely love it for that. Don't need to say much more about that. I feel like we're getting into the territory of mostly classic films here, what horror fans would consider classic films. So won't have a ton to say on most of these, but let's continue going through. Number 38, I've got Return of the Living Dead. I think I was sleeping on this one for years. I first watched it and I liked it, for sure. But then I had all these thoughts of maybe it was overrated. Maybe I didn't like it as well. But last year, I went and revisited this one. It's similar with Day of the Dead that I was talking about earlier. I absolutely loved it. In fact, I think you'll find Day of the Dead isn't too far off from this one. But I watched these two back-to-back, and honestly, they're just both so good and so entertaining in very different ways. But Return of the Living Dead is a classic. Don't let me, if I ever start sleeping on Return of the Living Dead again, I know Barely Ashley will keep me in line on that. But um, yeah, that is my number 38. At number 37, I have what I believe to be a fluke for Neil Marshall, because I don't think he's actually done anything great since then, but it is uh, 2005's The Descent. I love the subterranean environment in this one. I love the creature design and everything that goes with it. I love the journey that these characters go through, even though it's not really uplifting. The Descent is an excellent film. Number 36, 
I have Dr. Sleep, and I think Flanagan really took the original source material and molded it into something that is almost the perfect sequel. I think Dr. Sleep is so good. Um, The characters it creates is so good. And from what I understand, a lot of people like it better than the book. I think I originally was higher on this one out of the theater. You know, I gave it, I think I gave it a perfect score coming out of the theater. I've come down on it a little bit, but I think it's an incredible ode to both The Shining Book, along with Kubrick's film as well. And yeah, that is Dr. Sleep. Number 35, I have the Spanish film Wreck. And wow, this is just one of the absolute pinnacles of found footage. It is an incredible film. It is tense. It is scary. I think the ending of this is so scary. But again, you get the you get to just follow these characters through this situation as they slowly learn what's going on. And you know, I think um, Balaguero and Paco Plaza just did an incredible job on this film, and it's a modern classic. It is probably my favorite, and I would have to check with the rest of the list, but I think it is my favorite Spanish horror movie, and I'm a huge fan of Spanish horror, so that's saying something. Number 34, I have the aforementioned Day of the Dead. Not a whole lot more to say about it. I think it's become one of my favorites, definitely my favorite of the Dead trilogy for now, but moving up to number 33, I have Candyman, which gained an absolutely new appreciation for it this last time I watched it. I don't think I, similar to Return of the Living Dead, I don't think I was giving it the credit that it deserved necessarily, but it's an incredible film. And, you know, the early 90s, as I'm discovering, as I'm going back through and watching a lot of early 90s films, those first three years were pretty special. There's a lot of stuff in there that is just so good, and the 90s get such a bad rap, but There's a lot of good in there, too. At number 32, I have 2017's It, Chapter 1. This one has gone on a roller coaster ride. This was another one that I gave a perfect score out of the theater. But again, the theater viewing is usually going to be the pinnacle and the highest something's ever going to get for me. I think this is another one I've watched too much, and I think the CGI does get in the way a little bit. But other than that, it's such a phenomenal film and such an improvement on the 1990 miniseries. And, you know, I like Chapter 2 as well. I don't like it as much, and it didn't make my list. But I think Chapter 1 did something pretty special. At number 31, I have Audition from uh, Takashi Miike. And... This is just uh, such a strange... Miike is such a strange character, and he's crafted something absolutely terrifying and something that I think any of us could foresee happening in real life. I mean, this could really happen to us out there. I love what Miike did with it, and it's just so unsettling. I waited so long to see this movie, but when I finally did, it left such an impact on me. At number 30, I think I've got a little bit of a dilemma here because I realized that I left out another film similar to this, so I'm just going to combine them here. At number 30, I'm going to have a tie between uh, two kaiju classics, King Kong and 
Gojira from 1954. I think those are both outstanding giant monster movies. And really, those two are the, without a doubt, the biggest giant monster movies that have ever existed, um, especially the most critically acclaimed, and they're still going on today. So I think those two kind of go hand in hand, even though I didn't necessarily do that on purpose. But 1933 King Kong is such an incredible film, and so is Gojira as well. I think it's fair for those to be tied there, and I think they both deserve to be at that spot. Number 29, I have Misery, and uh, Rob Reiner was on a a bit of a heater at the end of the uh, 80s, beginning of the 90s, and Misery might be a little under-talked about, honestly, of the Stephen King adaptations, but it's certainly, in my opinion, one of the best. Number 28, I have A Nightmare on Elm Street. I think the only reason this isn't higher for me is there are some cheesier elements to it, but I absolutely love this. I love that Craven brought supernatural elements to the slasher. I love what he did with this movie and what he set up. I mean, it's so creative and imaginative in the backstory of Freddy Krueger and all these things. Yeah, absolutely love Nightmare on Elm Street. Number 27, I have The Ring from 2002. That is the Gore Verbinski uh, remake of Ringu. And in this case, I think the original, I think the remake is way better than the original. Honestly, I love this film. It's so creepy. It still freaks me out. And it's probably the best example of a PG-13 horror movie that is absolutely scary. Number 26, I have Hitchcock's The Birds. I am terrified of birds. And even though these birds aren't the most realistic, this one still gets to me to this day. But I love it. It's near the top of my list, so maybe it is confronting those fears. But Tippi Hendren is incredible in this, and I think Hitchcock does a great job. He's definitely pushing the violence and the the scares in this one, but uh, the birds, you know, maybe a little underrated for Hitchcock. I think people talk about it a ton, but I think it's right up there in the same class as something as Psycho, but maybe that's just me. Okay, getting into the top 25, and at 25 I have Trained a Passan. And Train to Passan, I don't think I need to say a whole lot about it because I think people have latched onto that one pretty hard in recent years. It's not only the creative new environment of having zombies on this bullet train, it's also the characters and the heart that's woven in. And, you know, I do get a little teary-eyed when I watch Train to Passan. And again, that was before I had daughters, so... Interested to see how that one goes on a rewatch, but absolutely love that South Korean horror film. Number 24, I have Fright Night, and this is the original by Tom Holland. Absolute classic. It's fun, but it's also, you know, scary at the same time. I think it's a great balance, and I don't need to say much more, but love Fright Night. Number 23, this is probably debatable if it's horror, but I think it uh, would be a comedy horror for me, and that is Shaun of the Dead. I think the satire is so good in this one. The comedy and humor is so good. Um, I love Edgar Wright's style of humor. 
And while he took a more serious direction with Last Night in Soho, Shaun of the Dead sits up there as, you know, it was one of those films when I was growing up, I say growing up, I was a teenager by the time we were in the aughts, but films like that and The Ring and 28 Days Later were really this new brand of horror that was pretty much completely different. And I know two of those films are British, but they were just completely different and were staples of the time and movies that you hardly could find anyone that would say anything bad about them. So, But that is my number 23. At number 22, I have The Shining, which is an absolute classic film. There are so many good elements to this one. I don't need to get into The Shining. I just love the setting. I love the characters. I love how they progress. Yeah, is it a little over the top at places? Sure. But it's such a well-made movie and such a good horror movie as well. Number 21, I have one of my childhood classics, and that is childhood favorites, not classics. And that is Gremlins. Now, Gremlins has fallen back a little bit for me. You know, this is one that I did watch at a young age. I absolutely loved it, and I still love it. I think it's so cool, and it's got um, such an interesting premise, and the Mogwai are such cool creatures. So I really love Gremlins, and I've always pretty much loved Gremlins. It's just kind of ebbed and flowed with me a little over the year, and it settles at 21. Number 20 is a movie that I think there are a lot of problems with, but I can't deny its impact on me, and that is Hellraiser. I don't know what Clive Barker did in this film, and many of his films wouldn't connect with me in this way afterwards, or films based on his works, but Hellraiser just works. It just does it for me, and I don't mean the whips and chains and the uh, leather. There's just something about this one that I've always loved, but I did an episode last year on Father and Son where I talked a lot about that, so won't get any more into Hellraiser. Number 19, I have my second Roman Polanski film, and that is Rosemary's Baby. I think this is definitely a drama for a lot of it, but what is happening to Mia Farrow in this movie is 100% horror. This was a time when we were starting to see a more classy horror film, and I think this is one of the best of those, honestly. Number 18, I think it's almost a perfect film. I think they're Maybe some things here and there that keep it from being that. But I have The Silence of the Lambs, and this is just on the outside of my films with perfect scores. It's such an interesting look at two very different serial killers. And of course, you have Jodie Foster giving an incredible performance as well. I think rewatching it recently for the 1991 episode has really solidified my love for that one. At number 17, you have what I like to call the quintessential giallo with Dario Argento's Deep Red. It's the colors, it's the atmosphere, it's the soundtrack. It's everything, and all the quirkiness as well of the characters, everything comes together in this beautiful symphony of giallo and horror. Deep Red is certainly one of the best to have ever done it, and uh, man, my love for this one similar with another Argento film, just never wavers. At number 16, I've got A Quiet Place. 
This was one that I actually got my wife to see in theaters, and we both really liked it at the end of the day. I haven't revisited it since, but I really did like the sequel, so it makes me think that it absolutely deserves to be where it is. A Quiet Place kind of really grabbed me, and it was the only film to grab me in that kind of way from 2018. I think it was just incredible directing from Krasinski and great performances, but that is my number 16. Number 15, I have 28 Days Later. Just from the opening of that film to traveling the British countryside, everything in that movie is just beautiful and so well done. And I think Danny Boyle just did an incredible job with that film. I'm a huge fan of 28 Days Later, and it's really one of the staples of my teenage years was watching this movie. At number 14, I have It Follows. I know people are getting a little bit more mixed on this one. I've heard mixed opinions, at least. But if any of you were following me when I put together several years back my, or a couple years back, my best of the 2010s, this will come as no surprise because It Follows was my number one. I think it's a really cool concept, maybe not the newest concept. It's been out there, been done. But I love It Follows, and I'm a huge, huge Micah Monroe fan. So that doesn't hurt this one. At number 13, I have John Carpenter's The Thing. I think this one just gets better with age. An incredible cast, an incredible film. Don't really have much else to say about it because, honestly, from here on out, we're talking about the best of the best. Number 12, I have Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. This is my favorite Hitchcock film, and... He really shook things up with Psycho, and I'll never really forget the first time I watched Psycho. It's a terrifying look into kind of the everyman serial killer, and um, yeah, it's Hitchcock at his very best. At number 11, I have the Swedish film Let the Right One In. I was a huge fan of the book with this one, so... When I did watch the movie, I just really was so enthralled by the characters. And yeah, it doesn't follow it completely. And it has an American remake, sure. But Let the Right One In is the far superior film to me. And this was part of my big resurgence into getting into horror when I was in college. It does hold that kind of a special place. At number 10, I have what used to be my every year Halloween watch. I've kind of taken a break from that kind of, or that style of rewatch, but it is Trick or Treat. When I rented this one, I had no idea what I was in for, but I gotta tell you, the way the stories intersect, and the different parts of the anthology, and how they tie in, and they're so, they're so deeply rooted in Halloween, and we just don't get a ton of that, and Absolutely love Trick or Treat. Absolutely love Sam. And the cast in this, again, great cast. Number nine, I have another important film from my early years of horror, and that is Scream. This was a huge film when I was younger. Everyone knew about it. Everyone talked about it. And I was no exception. I loved what it did. And to this day, I think it remains my favorite horror franchise overall. 
At number eight, I have The Omen. And once again, surprise, surprise, one that was very important to me as a kid. I caught this on, I think, AMC one night, and it scared the crap out of me. Not only, you know, the dogs in the cemetery or the glass decapitation, but also just the way that Damien looks at the screen in a certain scene. I mean, this was so good from top to bottom. I love the idea of the Antichrist and chasing down the Antichrist. Obviously, there's a couple of other films on this list, but that one's a very special one for me. At number seven, it's one that I've watched more recently, probably the one that I've seen for the first time more recent. I guess what I want to see say is this is the one I've watched last out of all these. It's been within the last maybe 10 years that I watched Cemetery Man, um, which is filmed by Michele Suave. In this past time, I just decided that this Italian horror movie is one of the all-time greats. It's one of my favorites. If you can find it, I mean, it's harder to find for sure. There's a great Region B Blu-ray out there that plays on, at least it played on my Region A player. So that's one way to find it out there. I know it was on YouTube or something at one point, but uh, if you haven't seen Cemetery Man, you need to go check that one out. That is an absolute classic in my opinion, and it's one that people don't really see that way, and I think a lot of it's because of the availability. At number six, I have David Cronenberg's The Fly. I love Cronenberg and what he does, and I think The Fly is his masterpiece, Cold Bloom and Gina Davis, definitely don't hurt. You know, it doesn't hurt having them in this. I think they have a great connection and on-screen presence and chemistry, and it really drives the fly throughout its duration. At number five, this is the one movie in this franchise having the opposite effect of the other ones. And that is when I rewatched Evil Dead 2. It just shot up my list. And Evil Dead 2, I don't think I've seen this. This is, I think, the second time I've ever seen this. And I think the other time would have been in like 2011, 2012. It's been a long time. But Evil Dead 2 is so good. The mix of humor and horror is probably the best it's ever been done with maybe the exception of one other on my list coming up here. But wow, this is just an incredible film and a landmark horror movie. Number four, another one that's kind of comfort food for me because I did grow up watching it a lot, and that is The Exorcist. Um, It's very weird to call that comfort food, but I absolutely love The Exorcist. I love the human characters at the heart of it, and it doesn't hurt that it's also a very terrifying film. At number three, I have Halloween and and John Carpenter's Halloween from 78. And this one is a victim. This was my number one for the longest time. I think I've just seen it too much, and I had to dock it for that. It's just how I'm feeling right now. And maybe it was the mood I was in, but these other two films that are in front of it, I've also seen them a ton of times and still love watching them each and every time I watch them. Another very important film of my teenage years and developing horror years. 
but it is my number three. My number two is John Landis's An American Werewolf in London. Love this movie, and this is where I think maybe it even does a little bit better job of balancing horror and comedy. But it's just an incredible film. I love it. I love all the imagery in this one. I love the way the story plays out, and I love David Naughton and Jenny Auger in this. Again, another great on-screen chemistry performance is just like in the fly. The soundtrack to this is incredible. Yeah, I don't know what else I can say about it, but I just love this film so much, and I have for so long. And number one probably shouldn't be surprising if you've heard my other choices, but it is Dario Argento's Suspiria. I just think this is, I mean, I could watch this one over and over again and probably not get tired of it. It's an incredible work. It's Argento's masterpiece. For me, it's the greatest horror film ever made. I don't think it's for everyone. And I would be, I'm curious to see what that would look like. You know, we had the rumors that this was supposed to be a movie of younger, much younger girls. And I wonder how that would look. And I'd love to see that vision play out. You know, maybe they should have done that when they remade this film as go along those lines instead of the um, direction they took it in. But the colors and the elaborate murders and the the backstory and everything, is it the greatest film structurally or plot-wise or anything like that? Probably not, but it's just such a feast for the eyes, and it's so breathtaking and stunning to look at and watch. And Suspiria has been one of my favorites for a long time, and I think it's finally time to crown that as my favorite. So there you have it, my top 100. Hopefully I didn't spend too much time on that. I wanted to say a little bit about each film, but mainly wanted to focus on just giving out my ranking. Again, like I asked earlier, just give me, uh, let me know if you are interested in doing this kind of an exercise, let me know. Let me know what your list would look like. I'd love to see those out there, even if you have to shorten it down. Because let me tell you, it is very hard to whittle down to 100, and even harder to get them in a ranking. I still don't feel good about it, but this is what we're going with. This is definitely a list that could change over time, but yeah, I'm so curious to see where other people have other films and have them put at. And if you're going to do this little word of advice, don't be afraid to not include some all-time classic horror films or very revered horror films on your list. Just go with your gut and what you like and the films that you like. Don't be afraid to put newer films on there. I think I even have a little uh, less of a balance of newer films. I think that's because I've seen them. You know, they're lower. I have them there, but a lot of them are lower on the list. I think that's because I've only seen a lot of them once. But don't be afraid to include those ones. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. As I announced recently, should have a new kind of format of episode coming out that's going to be out either every month or once every other month. And that is the Screaming Chronicles. In those episodes, I'm going to be taking a look at everything that's basically not horror. So, Films that are not horror, or TV that's not horror, anime, video games, 
any animated shows, anything like that. Just a wide variety of stuff that I want to talk about and I've wanted to talk about. I hope people can get into that. On the first episode that's coming up, I'm going to be doing a look at the and a rundown of the recently announced PlayStation Showcase that's going to be showing. You know, this is their kind of in lieu of their traditional E3 press conference that we would see in the past. So going down through everything they've announced there, and I'm going to have a review of Kamen Rider Black Sun for you, which is a tokusatsu show. I'm going to have a review of Hogwarts Legacy for you, among other things. There's going to be a lot on that episode. And these are kind of going to be episodes that are just stitched together with several different segments. It's not going to follow any pattern. There might be regularly repeated segments, but it's never going to be the same, and I hope people are going to enjoy those. I've just wanted to talk about that kind of stuff for a while. That's going to be the Screaming Chronicles. I think one of those should be releasing around not too long after you hear this episode. But yeah, I hope you'll check that out and give me feedback on that. As far as my next episode uh, proper of Screaming Through the Ages, I hope to finally get into the second half of Alfred Hitchcock. We will see about that, and I'll keep you updated for sure, but that's where I'm planning on going. As far as plugs, you can find me over on Horror Movie Podcast, which should have launched by the time this one comes out. You can also find me on Phantom Galaxy and Phantom Video over there. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Screaming Ages, or join the open Facebook group of Screaming Through the Ages, a horror movie history podcast. You can send an email to ScreamingThroughTheAges at Yahoo.com. And I'd appreciate it, as always, if you are enjoying the show, if you leave me a review on whatever podcasting service you listen to this on, and give me feedback on anything you'd like to hear in the future, what you thought of this episode, anything like that. I'm always open to chat about horror and really all things. With all that being said, keep your eye on your favorite podcast feed, your next bi-weekly horror movie history lesson. Mm-hmm.